So where are we? Obviously, I don't mean physically because I'm here in West Palm Beach and you are wherever it is you are. I mean, where are we in this crisis process? Are we even still in a crisis? After all, as I mentioned in yesterday's video, along with Mr. Stephen Van Meter, there are those, including several Federal Reserve officials, who think this thing is over. We did so well last month. There haven't been any more bank failures. We've got new tools. We've got programs that seem to work really well. And as far as the public might be concerned, or what we can tell the public, the fact that there are no more banking problems on the front pages of the internet, the internet newspaper, so to speak, then we must have, I mean, crisis over. We fixed everything. In fact, we're going to go back to worrying about inflation because we did such a great job. The economy is going to, is in danger of roaring back to life and reigniting inflationary pressures. That's what some people think. And it's hard for most, many people in the public to tell, well, wait a minute, what? We don't even know what happened. So how do we know we're out of it? Or do we know we're out of it? We've, we've continued to get several indications, not that many people in the public would know this. As I said, you know, especially last week, collateral shortages, scarcity runs, um, interest rate swap spreads that told us something's really going on with balance sheet capacity as well as collateral. So we've got noises in the monetary system, but we've got Federal Reserve officials saying we did a really good job, everything is fine. So where are we in this crisis? Are we still in the crisis? Can we look to other parts of the economy, the market, something else to corroborate one way or the other? Is it like the interest rate swap spread and the four week treasury bill rate, which today is still around 4.10%, way below the RRP? Or is it like maybe what Christopher Waller said just recently, everything's fine, the Fed did a great job. Can we, can we find evidence for one side or the other? We know we've got swaps, we've got treasury bills on the one side, we've got the Federal Reserve hawks on the other. How can, we dis, how, can we, how can we tell where we are here? One way we're gonna do that is by looking to a particular measure, a particular ratio, which combines real economy variables with financial economy variables. I'm talking about the copper to gold ratio. The copper to gold ratio takes one ounce of copper, the price of one ounce of copper, and divides it by the price of one ounce of gold. And the reason you do that is because though both are metals, they could not be more different. Uh, copper obviously is used in industrial processes, in electronics, and housing, and building and construction. So obviously a real economy uh, indication, especially since that this is real, real economy. This is physical metal. This is stuff that has to be moved around. This is not just financial stuff like stocks where you can trade back and forth and there's no real settlement. There's physical metal that has to be stored, has to be moved, it has to be used, it has to be produced. That's to be, there's a lot of stuff that makes it a real economy, real indicator. On the other side, gold. Gold, as you've probably heard, you can't eat gold, you can't use gold. Gold really is nothing more than a financial instruments no longer a monetary instrument but it's a financial instrument and contrary to most popular perceptions about gold it is a terrible inflation hedge let me let me let me clarify here it's not a terrible big huge inflationary hedge but it's a terrible regular inflation hedge think about what gold prices did throughout the 80s and 90s and early 2000s before we got to the later housing bubble period gold went down so regular inflation, gold doesn't tell you anything about it. Gold did really well in 2008 as well as a lead up to 2008. Was that because of inflation or was it because 
investors were looking for a hedge in case the whole damn system really started to go awry, which by the way it did, which by the way gold is doing right now. So gold is a terrible inflation hedge, but it is a hedge against some of the worst cases, which include like the 1970s out of control sustained monetary inflation. So on the one side, we've got copper, real economy, real physical stuff. On the other, we've got financial conditions, inflation expectations, interest rates, because it's, you know, gold, uh, the opportunity cost of holding gold as a hedge related to interest rates. So finance on the denominator, real economy on the numerator. And we put those two together. Not only does the copper to gold ratio tell you something about those two variables, it also corresponds and correlates to a lot of other things, including what I just talked about before, interest rate swaps. When you see the chart, you'll just be amazed. Well, unless you already know it ahead of time, you'll be shocked at how closely they work together. So we're going to talk about copper to gold. We've got where we're trying to figure out where we are in the crisis. We might look at some other commodities, some other indications about real economy versus financial economy, the monetary stuff in between. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, if you're interested, Eurodollar University memberships available where we talk about the monetary background, the monetary details, what the system actually is, where does the Federal Reserve fit or not fit, and why is that the case? What can we learn from the monetary system that tells us about where we are today? And speaking of where we are today, research subscriptions. I've got a daily deep dive analysis at the Eurodollar University website where we dive deep every day into topics just like these, get behind the stuff that we talk about on YouTube, what is going on in the marketplace. I also have a research subscription, the daily briefing I do in partnerships with Markets Insider Pro. We talk about the day's big macro news, what's moving the curves and everything else so that you understand in a very very concise way what's going on in the world each and every day all the information for all those things memberships and research subscriptions eurodollar.university so let's let's examine the copper to gold ratio in the context of the last major crisis now i'm not talking about 2020 because that was sort i mean we'll give the fed a mulligan there because the fed and all the authorities, pandemic, whatever the case may be. Um, you can you can understand why they might have been caught off guard, even though they shouldn't have been everything that happened with the weak economy in 2019. But let's, let's set aside 2020. Let's look back to 2006, 7, 8, and 9, the first crisis period, monetary crisis period. It was a monetary crisis because of how much it upset the real economy as well as the financial system. So you can imagine that as we headed into that crisis, the real economy measure, copper, wouldn't do so well. So that would be relative to gold falling down. Therefore, the copper to gold ratio would be falling. At the same time, of course, gold would perform much better. So the denominator would be going up. So again, that would be copper to gold ratio going down. In the first part of the crisis, up until the middle of 2008, both metals were rising at this, mostly speaking, both metals were going up, short-term fluctuations aside, but copper was going up a little bit less, or before the crisis was going up a little bit more than gold was. So, consistent with what we would, what we, uh, what we might remember, or what some of the other data around the world told us in the middle 2000s, the copper to gold ratio was expanding pretty sharply, which suggested copper outperforming gold, which meant that by and large, more good economy variables, less fear over 
potential spillover. That all changed around, uh, what was it, um, May of 2006, right when we started to see little tiny inversions in things like euro dollar futures, as well as even the treasury yield curve, suddenly the copper to gold ratio stopped rising and began to roll over. Then it took a very sharp downturn late 2006 as inversions on these curves spread. Again, these things are corroborated. So we got copper to gold going down. We got inversions starting to get bigger. Then into early 2007, suddenly we start hearing about Bear Stearns hedge funds, not Bear Stearns, but it's hedge funds. And then Ben Bernanke talks about subprime mortgages. And for a while there, the copper to gold ratio, like inversions, started to get started to get better ebbs and flows in all of these crises in fact in the middle part of 2007 the copper gold ratio goes up and as i've talked about before even something like the euro dollar futures curve inversion that one key part in the red contracts or the whites to reds suddenly that inversion disappeared too this was the middle of 2007 so there's lots of corroboration between the financial economy indications as well as the real economy that's the copper component and other things too but then in July of 2000, really June into July 2007, copper to gold starts to roll over. We get more inversions in the curves. And then we hit the crisis, the real crisis, beginning in August of 2007. And copper to gold continued to move lower. There was a sharp leg down beginning in October 2007 into early 2008. That was when the Federal Reserve did its massive rate cuts. Uh, remember the 50 basis point rate cut initially in September 2007. Another rate cut in October. And then bigger rate cuts, especially in early January 2008. That, that's a 10-day, 11-day period where they cut rates by 125 basis points in two, in two votes in January 2008. Copper to gold ratio sinking, inversions, all that stuff. But then copper to gold ratio began to rise again in early 2008. It, you know, not much, just a modest, modest increase off of that short run bottom. Then Bear Stearns happened and sank real quick and then kind of went back to the gentle rise before then around May of 2008, May into June 2008, suddenly the copper to gold ratio is starting to go down again. So in that period immediately after Bear Stearns, the ratio goes up a little bit. Some of the financial indicators outside that seem to look a little bit better, but like copper to gold, they didn't really normalize. They rebounded, which is not the same thing as recovering. Covering would mean go back to where they were before. And they did nothing like that. Copper to gold ratio didn't do anything like that, nor did any of the actual curves. So the financial marketplace looked at Bear Stearns and said, okay, this was pretty bad, but it's over. Now we're going to see what happens. And now we're going to see what happens is kind of where we are today. And because it was sort of more of a rebound rather than actual recovery, you could tell that it wasn't as urgent of a crisis as it was in the middle of March 2008, but we were still in it. It hadn't been it hadn't been handled like the Federal Reserve under Ben Bernanke had claimed. It wasn't the worst, as Janet Yellen had said later in June of 2008, with all the Fed coming in with its new programs and variables and all of its uh, efforts through that to that point. It hadn't actually fixed the crisis. It was sort of simmering under the surface. And again, the copper to gold ratio kind of told you, especially moving forward into 2000, the middle part of 2008. Not everything was going the way it was supposed to. Not everything was going the way that policymakers hoped. And not, not only did they hope that it was going the right way, 
They were telling the public it was. They said repeatedly, we fixed this. Then, of course, September 2008, you got GSCs, but really Lehman Brothers, AIG, Wachovia, and all the rest. Suddenly, the copper to gold ratio plummets, which confirms, like everything else, that the, the worst part of the crisis, not that the crisis started, but the worst part of the crisis actually was ahead of us. In other words, from Bear Stearns on until the middle part, from the middle part of 2008 into the later part of 2008, we were looking forward into the worst part, not recovery. So these financial indications had told us ebbs and flows in all of these crises, but overall, you can tell that the, the, the numbers, the ratios, the curves, the inversions, all these things, they fluctuate back and forth within a, a small, small range, but they never really move out of their, their concerning degrees and concerning distortions and levels. Corroborating copper to gold, swap spreads, things like that. All we got to do is put the two charts together. You look at a chart of copper, the copper to gold ratio since 2006, all the way to, to, to current day, uh, to all the way to last Friday, what you see is a, a, um, you see is a, a chart and a pattern that looks incredibly familiar if you're familiar with some of the other things that we follow, uh, like interest rate swaps. Again, I mentioned swap spreads all the time because swap spreads are an indication of the deep monetary fundamentals, their intersection in, uh, with financial uh, conditions and financial requirements. Um, so you see interest rate swap spreads that fell off just like copper to gold and never came back. And then you have these fluctuations. So copper to gold and say the 30 year interest rate swap spread, it's almost the same chart in, the, in a broad sense, in a long run sense. Obviously there are short runs, deviations, but by and large, these two things, even though they on the surface have absolutely nothing to do with each other, you've got copper, uh, industrial metal, you've got gold, which is, you know, that's something else that's a, it's supposed to be a monetary metal, but it's really a hedging instrument. And then you've got interest rate swaps, which is about loan productions and loan hedging and portfolio stuff and all of these things together. And of course, you got U.S. Treasury yields, which are part of the swap spread. So all of these things together, four very different variables that put together it into this one comprehensive whole that tells you what the entire, or at least a, a wide enough survey of the overall global financial and real economy, all of these things into all these variables put together. If they're behaving in the same way, we're relatively certain that enough of the marketplace is thinking the same. There's a consensus in it that suggests either we're recovering, everything's fine, or maybe we're just reflating, or we're still in a crisis period. So when we look at copper to gold ratio in, 2000, in 2021, 22, and now 23, what you see is a modest rise in copper to gold in 2020 and 2021, consistent with the vaccine stuff, the economy, the supply shock, all that stuff. Um, but then from the middle part of 2021 into early 2022, copper to gold relatively sideways. Both metals were re relatively stronger during that period. And then April 2022, after the oil price shock, the economy starts to get weak, inversions, all that stuff. Then you see copper to gold start to fall off. Copper becomes weaker. Gold's a little bit stronger, relatively speaking. And then there's a bigger drop in June, coincident to the major expansion in the inversions across the financial curves. And then from 
the, the uh, middle part of July last year up until recently, copper to gold was mostly lower, uh, sideways to relatively rising, but in that lower state, the post-June and July level. So not really recovering, just kind of hanging out at a low level. And then February, February 2023, even before we got to SVB, just like interest rate swap spreads, you see copper to gold start to roll over and go go lower again. That was, you know, coincident to also China reopening, which was pushing copper prices higher, but gold prices were going higher a little bit more. So there was more hedging. Some might say that was about inflation, but given what has happened ever since then in all of these markets, including swaps, um, it suggested that there was more fear about something else other than reigniting inflation or transitory disinflation, as it's been called. So the copper to gold ratio started to roll over and go lower even before we got to the even before we got to March, just like interest rate swap spreads, which told us that in the monetary system, the financial system and the real economy, too much was going in the wrong direction than was going right. So here we are in April of 2023. Copper to gold is moderately lower again, despite China reopening. Copper really isn't, hasn't done much lately. Gold has been much higher. Um, some people have said that's because of this reignited inflation pressures when maybe it's just the fact that most of the world is now talking about the banking system in a way that we haven't in 15 years. So yes, we can corroborate copper to gold, copper, gold, interest rate swaps and U.S. Treasuries, you put all these things together, they suggest that despite the ebbs and flows in the crisis, in any crisis, we, see, we still seem to be in the current one, that copper prices haven't moved. So the real economy doesn't, despite China hype, the real economy doesn't appear to be surging forward. Gold has been relatively higher, though it's down today, which suggests a lot of nervousness, a lot of hedging, and not hedging because of moderate inflation, but hedging because of big financial errors. And then the interest rate swap side, obviously they've talked about collateral, collateral runs, and U.S. Treasury yields, which even though they've been rising since the, over the last couple of weeks or last week or so, U.S. Treasury yields still, especially long-term yields, incredibly low. So all of these things together suggest that nothing has changed really since last year, but certainly nothing much has changed since last month. All of these things, real economy, financial economy, and more importantly, the monetary system behind them all. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University members and the Eurodollar University and MarketsInsiderPro.com research subscribers. Until next time, take care.